This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. It's a really cheery one this week. I'm rocking in my chair like a mad person. You know what? It is not a cheerful um, chat today, but we do have some moments of light in it and laughter at ourselves. But we figured that this is a good way, it's really good to have a conversation like this because if we're feeling like this as parents, most other parents are as well, we are shitting bricks about the future. And there's a great big brick over there. And what we say to our kids, how do we deal with their you know, need Mm. to go out. They need to know whether they're ever going to get a job. They need to know whether they're going to university or not. I mean, it's all just overwhelming, over-blooming-whelming. Welcome to the dark We don't have answers, but we're just parents sharing. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Wow. This is such a big one. The worries for our kids' future. Because, of course, 2020 has turned every worry we might have had on its head and multiplied it by a thousand. But when I think of the title of this one, I literally don't know where to start. I feel like I'm at the bottom of an enormous mountain, not knowing which way to go. So fears for our children's futures, my God. I I think sometimes that's a really good way to start a conversation, isn't it? Because it means that the listener is probably feeling the same way and... Mm. You know, if anything, these conversations that we have are never saying we have got a solution, but let's just try and unravel some of it. And hopefully something hits us in a way that will make us maybe, I don't know, soothe us or set us onto a different train of thought and also for the listener. All right, listener, I'm going to have to be very, very honest and off the cuff with you here. I don't feel positive about very much when it comes to thinking about our children. I've just got to say that because I can't manufacture an upbeatness to my voice in this in this conversation. When I think about our children's futures, where I'm at right now, I can't I'm almost I'm almost bowled over and knocked, knocked sideways and confused and disorientated by the number of different elements to our children's lives that one can be worried about. So I'm thinking you know, as I sit here, I feel like I've got a blind panic as I try and think about all the things that we as parents are worried about, you know, whether it be health, whether it be finances, whether it be education, whether it be mental health, whether it be their futures, whether it be relationships, friendships, love, all of these things, all of these things, you know, happiness, which is a sort of, of, of a consequence things. of all of those things, you know, how, how can one, you know, it's so hard to kind of siphon them off and just sort of, you know, or hive them off into sort of little little sections and think, right, okay, well, let's deal with this, let's deal with that, let's deal with this. You know, we, we are coming out of, or we think we're coming out of a pandemic situation, and yet all the news flow at the moment and all of the experience of this coming out of the pandemic, as you and I have discussed recently, is strange. It doesn't feel really like we're coming out of it. All of those things that you just mentioned, we, we worried about, with our kids before COVID-19, but now I just feel everything is magnified. Mm. I mean, whether it is them finding love, 
How do you do that with social distancing? Whether it is um, education, you know, all the courses and stuff that Maddie was planning to do next week, next year won't be happening. Um, whether it's a job, she was at the point of looking for a little job, maybe yeah, for the yeah. summer. Yeah. Um, and everything has just had the shine taken off it. A friend of mine's daughter said the other day, she's 17, I feel like I'm living life at 60%. Mm. And and that is terribly... We've got to hear that, that our kids are saying that. Well, I think we all, we all feel how like we're driving we, at 20 miles an hour. How do we help them have focus? I mm. mean, we have sometimes sat down, haven't we, with our head in our hands and gone, well, what do... You know, what's Maddie doing? What's she going to do? Well, how do we even no, no, help no, her point in the right direction? Because yeah. everything that she wants to do involves being out the bloody house, like every other young person. Yeah. I mean, let's just take... I mean. I feel very, very lucky that Maddie has a boyfriend, mm. right? Because that she's got a boyfriend, so she's happy. Most 17-year-olds, if we're just talking about the love thing, are looking a bit, and we know that's wrong, to be defined by somebody else wanting them, mm. aren't they? We, Of course, we as parents, we try and, we're trying to teach them away from that, you know, and you have to love yourself and don't look for somebody else, but that is the bare-assed fact of it. Most 17-year-old girls... Uh, I don't know if it's the same for boys, we don't have sons, are wanting to go out a bit on the hunt. You know, they've got mm. their friendships, they've kind of like got an idea of what they're doing, but a boyfriend is a huge part of that. So I really, I've thought about this a lot for the parents that have got um, teenagers who maybe were liking somebody just before lockdown and now they want to go out mm. and they want to be free and they want to kiss mm. and they want to dance and they want to do all this stuff that is just absolutely a rite of passage. That alone, how do we stay... How do we, how are we able to have any boundaries whatsoever with that, with everything that they've just been through, being locked up mm. for months and the summer is here? Well, how do we say to them... No, you can't meet a new boyfriend. No, you can't kiss somebody you've not kissed before. But, I mean, I, but do you think the vast majority of parents are saying that? I don't think the vast majority of parents are trying to control their kids. I don't say that in, I don't say that in a judgy being, way. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that is what we are being asked to do as parents. Mm. So there's just stress with that anyway. Even if uh, the listener has made the choice that actually that is too impossible mm. to keep a handle on. I mean, we're letting um, we're letting Kiki go to the park and see her friends. I yeah. mean, obviously they're all social distancing, but you can't guarantee. But we don't know that no, exactly. You can't guarantee that children are social distancing. So I think at the point that you let your kids out into the world to meet mm. other friends, you have to assume that they're not. That they're not. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, and I will be really honest, I doubt. Highly doubt that our children are are, are um, socially distancing when they're at the park. No, you know. But what are we? You know, that is what we've been asked to do. They having to do that so at school. Saying- it's like at school. Okay, I was talking to um, Carlitos the other day, and he's saying the plans for the school is two meters distance. They come in at different times. The da 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, but what happens the minute you're outside the front gate? Yeah, yeah. I suppose what I'm saying though, in terms of our fears for their futures, I just assume and presume that most teenagers and kids are kicking against whatever restrictions their parents have put in place, if they're putting them in place, they're meeting whoever they want to meet anyway. And 
if they're falling in love and they're not falling in love, nothing has really changed. We're back at where we're at. I think my concern... And how for the awful future... for the parents that have somebody with an underlying health condition living in the yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, mean, no, no, this is course, a nightmare. But if I'm worried about the future of our kids or that future behaviour or how we control that future behaviour, what I'm more worried about is, you're right, it's a real relief that Maddie is in a relationship. You know, of course, you know, lockdown and coronavirus has presented all sorts of challenges, as it has for Izzy. She's in a relationship too. And Fleur, you know, of, of distance, enforced distance, missing, not being able to see each other in each other's flats, having flatmates of other of the, of the boyfriend that are difficult and all this kind of stuff. You know, there's all sorts of kind of myriad details of complexity that have made it really stressful for kids in relationships. Mm. My worry is those children who will go out and become overzealous, not in their pursuit of the boy they fancied at school who they can now see. That's pretty logical. That's pretty rational. My worry is that they go out and in a sort of purging mm. of this frustration and in a sort of hedonistic rush of, you know, all these illegal raves, all this, you know, I mean, I know that they hear about all these illegal raves. It's like when I used to go to raves, there weren't as many as they used to say, and they weren't half as chaotic as they used to make out. But there is a desire amongst children. You can see it in Kiki. There's a there's an itchiness. There's a desire. There's a there's a there's a you know a normal human desire yeah. to socialise and connect with others. And those groups and they they're getting bigger and they're all meeting in parks. And you know, on on the on the um, fest the illegal raves. You know I showed photographs of them in the newspaper to Maddie with short coratone and she was like oh wow great. and I thought now do you remember what yeah. 17 felt yeah. like of course they're gonna say wow yeah and I think rebellion I think it's a good point the rebellion the craziness that's gonna come in now into play through the summer through the summer Absolutely. where you get hedonistic anyway at that age it's going to be multiplied isn't mm, it? I mean, mm, it just is. Mm, absolutely. So that, I think, is a very, very real fear for the immediate future, I think, is 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 a really big fear for, for everybody well, I've spoken for me, to. For me, it's equivalent to binging. I'm worried about kids. I'm worried about any of our kids binging on anything. Life. Binging on drugs, binging on drink, binging on food, binging on just having a great time, doing mm. something to excess. Mm. There is a worry. And of course, especially if we're a family that has addiction problems and all that kind of stuff, it becomes an even bigger worry, especially given the fact that the entire country has been told, drink for Britain. Come on, for drink for Britain. I mean, you know, I mean, it's different. Eat for Britain is a bit different, but drink for Britain, really? I mean, you know, and of course I and get it. And also the hopelessness that people are, yeah, are feeling. Yeah. You know, and we're going to touch on this a bit later in, in the podcast, but the, the fear of the second wave coming in the winter. Whoa, yeah. Can you imagine? Take yourself back to a team. It's like, oh, well, it's all going to start again in winter. Come on, let's all go crazy. And I really worry. And I we put a post, we posted on Instagram last night, didn't we? Mm. And lots and lots of people are saying their big worry is drugs. Mm. Is this need that kids are going to have to get out of it because the doors might be locked again. Mm. And, you know, with the news today about Melbourne, with 165 cases. You know, last week, if you'd asked me if I was really scared about a second lockdown, I would have said no, but now I really am. I'm not scared about the disease. I'm scared about the lockdowns. I'm scared scared about about the the restrictions. And I'm not even scared about the restrictions in the sense that, like you say, say we had a Melbourne situation here, a second lockdown of some form. I don't think it's going to be a case of, I don't think the kids are going to observe it. 
I think we're going to have a completely different experience of our children and youngsters and young adults to the experience we had this time. They'll have felt they did it the first time. They are acutely aware that they are the least at risk. Okay, yes, we have to talk about everyone is responsible for everyone. There is also an absolute acknowledgement that unless you get back out, the economy will fail. And the most hard hit, as Rishi Sunak has had to sort of acknowledge in his £2 billion package for young adults, is that if you have at the very sort of bottom of the pyramid of, of society, the youngest coming out into a, into a workplace that has no jobs and no training and no opportunities, the top side of the pyramid will start to topple. Mm -hmm. And so consequently, you know, I, I think in a weird way, there could be, and I don't, mean, I don't mean rebellion in a revolutionary sort of Russian revolution sort of way, but I do think we may have a generational rebellion where it's like, no, fuck you, we're not going to do this a second time. It doesn't affect us. It's not our problem. You need to have criteria and, and rules and, 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 and sort of regulations in place to protect the shielded and all that kind of stuff. But also... We all need the economy to move. So I do think that if there is a second wave, it's going to be an entirely different experience that we have. But what, I, do, what, but what, what do you get drawing from Melbourne and what they're doing? They're locking down for six weeks. I know they are. You're not allowed out for six yeah, weeks. If they, said that again here, if they said that again here in October, I can assure you that the vast majority of young adults will not observe it. But I suppose what I've got to remember as well with this is they have said they may lock down pocket. I mean, Leicester is locked down yeah, at the moment, isn't yeah. it? So it's it's the equivalent of yeah, that. Yeah, it'll be localised yeah. lockdowns. But I mean, even if, say, they did it, I mean, OK, well, let's say it's a local lockdown in London. I don't think the vast majority of people in London will observe it. I mean, I don't, I think we are but coming... But that's in... a worry for, for our kids as well, isn't it? What? If they don't observe it. I mean, that's another worry. Well, I don't think it will because be Because I think they will kids. start... Well, I think what they will do is, they've always said the government, they will impose fines and they'll make it criminal. And, Possibly. you know, so you've got another whole can Possibly. of worms. But I if think civil kids... unrest is the more likely inevitable consequence of a further lockdown rather than rather than anything else. And it's I, a I, whole new thing to worry about with our kids, isn't it? It is a whole civil new thing unrest. to worry about with our kids. But also the other problem with our kids is that if you have keep having lockdowns, you are removing the economic lifeblood of the country. If you remove the economic lifeblood of the country, universities are... Future. Universities are running the risk of going bankrupt. Universities are running the risk that because they're going bankrupt, they're going to have to do all of their teaching online. You've got an entire generation of young adults not really knowing whether they should go to university now. You've got an entire uh, generation or two of graduates overtrained for jobs that aren't available. Aren't um, you've got new kids like Maddie, like Fleur, coming onto the marketplace with no prospect of even those micro small jobs that are the lifeblood of young adults' income, which is hospitality jobs, because they're, they're reducing by a third, you've got a perfect storm coming. So, you know, I, my worry about the future of our kids is what what do we sell our children as the mission statement for life? If you go mm. back to my mum's generation, my mother's generation and, my, and our generation, really, you get a good job, you get have a family, you own your house, home ownership is a thing, you leave home, all those sorts of things. You get a pension. I mean, we don't have a pension. We buck the trend in our age group because of the nature of our work. You know, these are all incredibly considered conservative cons considerations and acts mm. to make in a world where there was room and manoeuvrability and a jobs market to do it. Yeah. Life is completely, it was changing enough before COVID hit. And that's my biggest worry about this. Sorry to bang on. But my biggest worry is that changes that were already happening. So changes in terms of how we work, where we work, what the kind of work is that we do. They are going to be uh, sort of amplified and accelerated, those changes. And you're seeing that. We saw that yesterday. We went into central London yesterday. The vast majority of shops are shut because there are not workers yeah. in the city. These workers are working. They're not working in the city. So I And another, and another micro 
moment added to that was I, I felt very down yesterday going through London and seeing how many shops were actually closed. I was expecting everything to be open. But I was also looking at the young people that were working in the shops. Beautiful young girl as I went into Rocket, masked from top of her nose to the bottom of her chin, desperately trying to smile at us through her eyes. Hello, welcome, come in. Then the guy behind the till that had actually just given up because he can't make any real contact apart from... And I was just... I felt like I was going to cry in that shop Mm. when I thought about when I was that age Mm. and I worked in Miss Selfridge and I worked in Topshop and I worked in Pizza Hut and Pizza Express and Mm. I worked in the bar and and it was all about the banter and the, Mm. the flirtations with the customers and finding yourself and finding your freedom and finding that that pace that you got how can they do this mm. marked from from you know masked from the top of their face to the bottom mm. you know just the little things well, like that are, that are small... going to impact on who they become who they are well those are the smaller details that are art. crucial yeah you're absolutely right i mean i went into a shop and you know forbidden planet youth orientated shop geek shop and the couple of customers that were in there looked disorientated and shocked that it was so empty the people who worked there were so so over sort of zealous to make it sort of a good experience. But there, again, you see another micro, micro moment because you just said it geeks. Now, that shop, when I go in there, it feels like when I've gone in the past to buy stuff for you, not because yeah. I choose to go in there, it feels like geeks, nerds, paradise. Everyone yeah. belongs there. Do you mm, know? And there's a real absolutely. camaraderie between the staff and, mm. and the customers. Gone. Mm. Everything is so fucking well, sterile. Yeah, yeah. Everything is just, I can't believe how we've handed over our whole lives with with no argument. Because what? we had to. No, we no, 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 absolutely. And I think there are two thoughts to this discussion, listener. There is the future for our kids coming, the sort of short-term future yeah. of our kids coming out of, you know, uh, lockdown, coming out of this pandemic or staying in lockdown of some form forever. But there is also, you know, how the short-term future prospects of our children feed into the long-term prospects. I mean, we have to talk about the short-term term first because everything around this age, you know, teens, they're so impressionable. Mm. Well, right through the age, whatever age your child is. They all keep talking about the... I mean, Maddie, for example, talks at great length about the time that she's going to live with her friends. You know, she says, I'm not going to live on my own. I want to live with my friends. I want to live in a flat. Kiki the other day was talking with her friend and they're both talking about oh, yeah, we could live together. And I was listening to them. And I had, of course, I had that moment where you're a dad going, I don't want anyone living anywhere. But, of course, then you have to part that to one side and go, well, of course, this would be lovely. And, and then I thought, of course, like most parents, you thought, practicalities here. Let's think about it. How, the hell, to to how the hell are they going to do this? How the worst recession in 300 years. Yeah, and, and, and you I know, mean, many rented... You couldn't afford to before yeah, COVID. No, exactly. Nobody was affording. Every, you know, that as, as parents as well, that's another worry because we all love our children, mm. right? But there's going to be an awful lot of people that don't particularly want their children to be living with them until they're in no, their no, 30s. It's not actually absolutely. right. Yeah. I mean, I love my girls and I'd say you can be here for as much as you want, but it's not right for you to mm. carry on living with your parents. So how will they ever afford to move out? It's an, it's an interesting question, though, that you say it's not right. Is Who says it's not right? It is a rite of passage to move away from your it has, parents it has and been try and make modern, your own yeah, way. But, uh, but I, I will challenge that. It has been from post-war mm. to the 80s, 90s. Mm. That's a very short amount of time in the history of man. Mm. 
Prior to that, it wasn't really. Families well, tended no, to live I'm together. I'm talking about what, what children want to do. No, 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 and no I, I think agree. I was very lucky because my parents, you know, um, gave us a lot of space in yeah, the house. Yeah, yeah, so we had yeah. our own space. but And it was wonderful. But I still needed to go out, pay my rent, do all of that stuff, feel like I was making my you, own do way. Not, do you not they won't have the choice. But That's what I'm saying, though. But do you not still... I, 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 see, on, on the one hand, I feel crestfallen for them that they won't have our reality, which choice. was that. Choice. But in another way, they could have the best of two worlds, which is they could still have the job, they can still have the social life, they can still have the boyfriends. Obviously, it necessitates space in the house. And I think this is an entire chat separately about how does how do we live together as families in this mm. new Because new we've future. got a bigger house. Yeah, we're, we're lucky in a really we've got small a house. house. And, you've, yeah. and you've got the thought that you've got, you might have three kids and they've all yeah. got to stay at home and then they're all going to be wanting to bring their boyfriends and yeah. girlfriends and home. And let's not be around, around the bush. I mean, however old a child is, if they live with you, you're picking up pretty much most of the bill for what yes. it is they're doing in the house. Yes, so and, people, and people are exhausted of mm. picking up all the bills. And you want to get to a point where you think my child now is going to and, I agree. and the thing is when your kids live with you i mean i can think of a friend of mine now both her kids are earning an absolute fortune they're still paying her 40 quid a week right you okay. know so well there is that but also there is the other other side of it which is the amount of times we've helped the girls the older girls you know with either a deposit or with a month's payment in you know there is there is the potential financial benefit of not having to lay out loads of money to a landlord and paying them that every month i mean the, 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 you know there are so many balancing acts to look at in the future so if you've got the space and if you've got a, degree, a little bit of money i don't think it's necessarily as bleak but you're right i think if you're in a small property and you've got two kids and you're looking at the prospect of them lumbering around in your life yeah i mean older. the other I mean, thing is horrific. it's like friends of mine that i know his kids just won't leave this is pre-covid so listen i love them but they're quite bossy yeah. And they can be quite moody. Yeah. And actually, there is always an argument about what's on the telly. Yes. And it's quite nice to get to a point where you think, do you know what? I can come down. I can dance around naked if I want. Yeah. I can watch what I want. That is a rite of passage for the parents yeah. as well. So, I mean, in all different kinds of... The, different, the many different kinds of relationships that parents and their children have, to have choice taken away, mm. and I do believe choice is going to be taken away for a good few years, I think is very scary prospect. What's your biggest for worry for our girls' futures? Well, can we just stay a little bit more at the moment for the immediate future? Right, because yeah, yeah. because I just want to read out a couple of people's mess the, uh, messages from last night. This is Jackie Tanner, and she said she, her worry is about them going back to school. Because oh. before COVID, both her 13-year-old and her 5 year didn't like school. Right. And she said, if I, if I could homeschool, I would. Oh. And I thought, wow. And it just made me feel lucky again that we do homeschool and we can have. Because I was just imagining, imagine you've had this experience. Yeah. I know many people haven't enjoyed it, but many people have. Yes. And, and the thought that they can't continue with that. And to put your child back yeah. into school, knowing they were unhappy before mm. and seeing them happy now for that immediate future, September coming, thinking you've got to get back on that. I think that must be terribly hard. I hate to do a shameless plug here, but I think she needs to buy a book that we're releasing in September. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I homeschooled, Honey, I homeschooled the, kids. the kids. Because we do actually genuinely talk in that about if your kids do have to go back to school, how you can maintain an element of that home. Yeah, you can keep a bit of homeschooling, feeling. you know, feel to your child's education, even if they're at school. But, oh, OK, so you're talking short. Yeah, people are worried about them going back to school. Yeah, and mm. I hadn't thought about that because I'm sort of feeling that the whole world is is hating homeschooling. But, of mm. course, if I think about it, we've had plenty of people message no, us no, saying no, that absolutely. they're really loving it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I think I don't even know what to say about that because... <sighs> 
Well, I you're going to be fine. You're, you're going to be fined if they don't go. So it's, there's no choice. I mean, it's a really strident see, and strict thing happening in wrong. September. I think that's really wrong. Because, again, I think it's schools. We know very well because we had to take our girls out of school, one for bullying and one for, for very severe anxiety about school, school refuser, really. And I don't think there's enough attention paid to that. And mm. I think children have been through... We, It's not just the grown-ups that have been through a pandemic. The children have as well. Mm. And people might find it really difficult getting their kids back to school. Might find it really difficult. We know what it's like when you have a school refuser standing at the door screaming, not wanting to go out. And I think... If, and a friend of mine whose son is autistic, but he's in mainstream school, she gets fine, she gets... All the time she gets into trouble before COVID because they would be late. Well, if he has a meltdown in the morning and she's got to take her daughter as well, you know, so there's got to be some, yes, there's got the to be a bit of flexibility. So um, this is somebody that wants to stay anonymous and she's worried about a second wave as she's a single parent. Right. Okay. So you're a single parent and she's worried about getting COVID. I mean, what a terrible fear. Because I'm sure that for single parents, it's always a worry about getting ill because who's going to look after yes. the, after the children? Yeah. But when you've got something that's being pumped out so much every day, every day, every day, it becomes, I think for so many of us now, it's like we're wait, almost waiting to get it. It's almost like right. some, sometimes it feels like, oh, we're definitely going to get it. And so her real fear about the second wave and about the future is actually getting it next time right. and not being able to look after her kids. Right, right. And I think that this is a real fear. And actually the um, they are now advising... Um, that we should put, we should be thinking about a second wave and actually thinking about our weight and actually getting healthy enough mm. to be prepared in case we should get COVID, the second wave in mm. the winter. You see, I, I keep I, saying second wave. I, I was not a second waver, but I have got the fear now. I'm telling you, I've got the fear. Well, I do. I mean, I think it would be, it'd be churlish for us to think that we're not going to get a second wave. I mean, it's kind of blindingly obvious that in come winter, flu's going to kick in and, and this thing is going to come is going to be in the mix as well. I mean, I, I go back to the, the point I made originally, though. I don't think we can ever repeat the same lockdowns and I don't think we ever will. It'll be localised. I don't think you can mobilise our youngsters back to the same place but if if i have you know we started this talking about the overwhelming number of different 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 Mark. different worries that we were talking about sorry what do you mean well you said i don't think we're going to be able to enact i think we've got to make i mean we are quite easygoing parents sometimes i would say very soft but there are going to be plenty of parents that are listening and say if we are being told that that has to happen again we will be telling our children and they will have to do it no no and I'm then not what comes with that, that and then what comes with that if there's a lockdown and you've got to stay in the house, then what comes with that is the, you know, is the dread of that kind of tinderbox again in but the house. But that's my point. That's Especially my point. There's going to be a lot closely. more conflict if it happens again. Mm. I think there's been, I think what's happened on this first pass is there's been a degree of it's first time, it's new, it's unexpected, we've come through it. The mistakes have been obvious that the government have done. There have been some obvious mistakes. There have been obvious acts of, of, of behaviour that, you know, you shouldn't do and but that, then we've discovered you could do. I think the unknowability and the unprecedentedness of it on the first pass meant that all of us, all generations, were willing to play ball. And I'm not saying that on a second pass we won't, as parents, all be wanting our children to enact it. What I'm saying is we are going to, we are, we're going to, it's going to be churlish of us as parents if we don't think we're going to be met with extreme resistance, extreme resistance. Not because our kids don't care, but because they have a right to their future. 
yeah. and tied up in going back into all of this stuff yeah, is... We keep telling them it doesn't affect it doesn't you and affect, then say, but can you yeah, just stay in and not stay, do anything? Yeah, and, and also, let's not... You know, what signal has been sent out to kids taking A-levels and GCSEs? You know, even if you have been given your grades or had your grades marked down or told that you can't go to... You know, but, you know all of the narratives that we have been selling our children about the point of life and the, and the, and the, the, the sort of cause the and effect of, of life, the order, the narrative order of life. And it goes back to my point I said earlier about what are we supposed to tell our children when we used to tell them, forget the COVID thing, we used to tell them that buying a house, having children, all that stuff is out the window. That mm. stuff was going out the window anyway. Mm. Buying a home, leaving home, being self-sufficient, having... Having the job that you've trained to, you know, getting the job that you've mm. been trained to do and, out and, the window. And running parallel to that, as our daughter's Maddie says to us often, because she is plugged into Extinction Rebellion and, and, and yeah. the, not just Extinction Rebellion, I shouldn't just say that because as soon as you say Extinction Rebellion, people switch it. off yeah. as, ext- as you know, as, as being extremists. Well, I'd say yes. yeah. And um, so if we think of... Um, She's just got climate awareness. We know what's happening and we're hearing more and more 10 years, 10 Mm, years, mm. and that the planet is heating up faster than we ever imagined. And we've got temperatures of 38 degrees in Siberia Mm. and we've got a a disaster going on with the planet. I I find it very, very hard when Maddie says that to me to not actually think myself. I don't say it to her. I think to myself. Fuck it all. I normally have an answer. I, just, I normally, you know, I, I don't know what it. to say. You've said that a lot, and I'm pleased you've said that in this conversation because I think that's the truth of it. I think that's the truth of it. You never hear it. It's like parents that, you know, when you hear a parent say, do you know what? I don't actually like my child. It's so kind of like, oh my God, actually, you've said it. There are things that have to be said sometimes for us as parents and there needs to be a safe place for us to say it. And where I sit right now is I like to troubleshoot everything. I like to look at the problem. I like to think through the problem. I like to think we could do this or you could do that or you could do this. And where I'm at right now is I think we can firefight the short-term immediate problems a little bit. Like, what are we doing today? What are we doing next week? Let's go and do a Zoom course. Let, okay, you're not going to college. You know what I mean? I, short staying term in the problem, day, yeah. in the week. Staying in the day or staying in the week. I have worries about the sanctioning of behaviour by the state. And I do genuinely, this isn't just a recovering alcoholic being a bore. I do worry that we have really, it's become really normal and normalised to just say drinking is, is a way to kind of deal with everything. It's been sold. It's, it's the way to deal with it. Of course, having a drink to celebrate is a good thing. But that is just ratcheting up. Drugs will become the next amplified part of that. Drugs will become the next part, you know, spliff and all that kind of stuff will, be, will, will go through the roof as kids seek out ways to numb themselves from the fact that when they look at their the future, future. Re- what is their future? And I can't. When I, when I think of the ABCD solutions and I'm sitting at our sort of breakfast bar in the kitchen and, and I'm thinking, what can I tell the girls about? why they should be putting one foot in front of the other mm. for this, that and the other. Of course, I, as I just said, I can in the immediate short term. I don't have a problem with that. But in the longer term, I'm like, yeah, what are they? What are they after? Is it money? Is it status? Well, more and more. Is it- more and more. I mean, I used to think that what I've got to do is try and help the girls find a way, whatever is their way, with something they love to make a lot of money because money makes you, mm. you know, gives you security and mm. it will make them safe. And But more and more, I say to them now, you know, put money at the bottom of the list mm. of what you're going to do with life. You know, maybe you'll end up in a 
tiny bedroom, <laughs> just painting all day or writing all day. Or I just, I just think we sell them up up. Well, I think when it, we it, say, you know, work towards getting a house, getting a car, getting this, getting, mm. I just don't, I just don't believe in it anymore. Well, I think life is going to be much shorter than we. Well, and I, I, I also, it's interesting what the definition of a young person is. You know, Rishi Sunak's help that he's offered in this two billion pound package is for kids between sixteen and twenty-four. And I was thinking, you know, Izzy, who's what twenty-six, she she's you know she's, she's struggling, young. she's struggling with, yeah. she's not struggling insofar as I mean, you know, I'm not saying she she she's got a job, she's got a degree, she's got her education, she's got all of that. She's struggling with what is it that she wants. She's struggling with these bigger questions. What yeah. is the point of what, what is the I'm point doing? of it? Why am I in a job paying to pay me, a, an extortionate rent? Pay an extortionate rent that I have a very little amount of money left from. What and and this isn't about sort of. You know, indulgent, self-indulgent, sort of navel gazing, and, mm. and oh, we've got the luxury she's to do that. She's a highly educated, highly educated kid who is working every day of her life, and yet she's. You know, there comes a point. This this COVID has offered a moment for her to pause and reflect and go. Well, hang on a minute. What have I been sold? What is the narrative yeah. that I've been sold here? Yeah, yeah. The narrative that we have all been sold isn't fit for purpose. That's my feeling on Can it. Can I just pause for a minute? <laughs> it's so you know, I just want to go and kill myself. <laughs> I, literally, I literally just want to just... I, I don't know. Have you got a bottle of vodka or something? <laughs> oh, my God, Mark. It's Sorry, so guys. This is such a damn... It's so is anyone else feeling as... Panic-stricken as, can you, as worried Can you tell a dad joke? Tell your favourite dad joke. Let's have a moment where we can just have a dad joke and then we okay. can come back to it. Man walks into a bar with a steering wheel attached to his crutch. Yeah. Barman says, what's that for? He says, I don't know, it's driving me nuts. <laughs> Doesn't matter how many times I hear that, yeah. I always laugh. <laughs> Babe, I'm really worried. Oh, flipping hell. Look, guys, we shouldn't really have recorded a podcast. Right? <laughs> uh, truth be told, we we felt we knew we were on a downward turn. We Nadia had to drag me off the floor, place me in a chair. I was flat, <laughs> like when SpongeBob's been run over by a by a steamroller. Um, the news has got to us. Let's be honest. But that's why I do think it's the absolutely perf perfect time to do a podcast because as it will have done for all the other parents out there. And, you know, we've come into this little dark room. We can hear our kids sort of making a sandwich yeah. outside. And it's just a moment to go, yeah. fuck it. Right now, we do? right now, our kids are desperate to be told, oh, what are we homeschool oh, learning? What are we going to do? What's anyone going to do? What are we supposed to do? No one fucking wrote this in the rule book, did Let's they? Let's go back to the old thing that we always say, we are just adult children not knowing what the I'm hell not, to I'm do. I'm not, I'm an adult kangaroo. And you know, well, that's a know. very, you know, but that's also a very good, um, I've made a point over the last few weeks to saying to the girls, <laughs> things like, um, I still feel a bit in shock about what's happened. I've been blindsided by what happened. I still don't know really the way to deal with it. And it's very difficult because you want to make them feel totally safe and secure by saying you know exactly what's happening and exactly what you're going to do, but also you can't sell them a pup, you know. So admitting that we feel lost sometimes, admitting mm. that we feel a bit blindsided, admitting that we feel a bit down, admitting where we've gone wrong, maybe sometimes saying sorry, all those things are 
for a lot of parents, new things to have to do. I mean, like so many people say, just as an example of homeschooling, they say, oh, my God, my children are realising I don't know everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That's a really good... This is the that's big equaliser. This has been the big equaliser. actually a good thing, mm. because no human being should ever think they know everything. Mm. And so if, you, if you're in a constant state of, well, I'm not sure, we're going to see what we can do. But I think, I think one of the things, it's funny, guys, one of the things about homeschooling, I remember when me and Kiki were, were studying prehistoric Britain, and we were doing our analysis on how the historians, and we talk about this in the book, you know, we talked about, we were looking at how the historians have pieced together the history of prehistoric Britain. Prehistoric means prehistory. And I remember Kiki at one point looking at me and saying, so dad, you know, you look at that chart, don't you, of time, and it's like 50,000 years, 100,000 years. And she was like, that's a lot of time. And they've only found three three archaeological digs of discovery. I said, yeah, they build their assumptions based on very little information. And, and that's parenting. And that's parenting in, <laughs> in a nutshell. It's, it's like where parenting. we're at right now is, it's like sometimes I just feel like saying to the girls, although I know that drugs and drink and all that is absolutely not the, not the right route, and that's, that's the danger that I, I have is not conflating do what you want with just get completely you know, blottoed, because that is not a solution. It will only make things worse. But there is a huge part of me that feels like saying, do you know what? Actually, all bets are off. All rules are out the window. We have to rethink our way out of this. We have to re-strategize our way out of this crisis, both financially, mm. you know, in terms of our morale, in terms of And I of think we have health. to listen to our kids when they say they're really worried about the planet. It was funny, yeah. the other day I was at work and there was a whole group of people and they were all talking about all the different places that they're going to this year. And I said, oh, well, you know, I might, I might, you know, it's a bit difficult though, isn't it? The thought of getting on flights and stuff. And they all looked at me and they said, why? I said, well, you know, the state of the planet and everything. They went, oh, they'll do something to fix it. Mm. No, they won't. No. And these are educated people saying this. Mm. No, they won't. They mm. can't. Nothing can be done. Mm. And I haven't got a single word to say to my kids about it. Well, I think, you know, talking about the future of our kids, we need to hear straight from the horse's mouth, really. Yeah, let's Maddie. have a listen to Maddie. We, we, we asked her, post-pandemic, how do you feel about your future? Okay. A huge question for well, a child. That small little, when she had a bus to catch. Small but... topic. <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm, really, I'm not really sure about, you know, what to think of, you know, I don't think anyone my age really knows what to think about their future because we don't know how long this is going to go on for, what it's going to be like afterwards. But... Um, I don't know, for me personally, because I want to kind of be in the performing arts kind of thing, you know, I like acting, I like singing. It doesn't look like there is much of one because, you know, theatres don't look like they're going to open anytime soon. Um, I highly doubt, you know, gigs for, for music are going to be open anytime soon. So it's quite hard to see any, like, near future for me really and it's kind of annoying as well because it was like oh 2020 I'm 17 this kind of is like the year I'm gonna get my life together and I'm gonna get like a job and then I'm gonna work towards you know this this and that but like because there doesn't seem to be any um plan <laughs> um for the world in terms of when this is gonna end and when stuff's gonna improve I don't really know how to feel about it. I mean, yeah, it's hard because I don't really know any 17-year-old, 18-year-old that's got their life together and knows what they want to do. And it's quite hard because you feel like everybody's kind of asking you, so what is it that you're doing at the moment? Like, what are you going to be doing after lockdown? And then you're kind of there and you're just like, uh, 
<laughs> nothing. <laughs> so I don't think there will be anything to do. Um, so I don't know, yeah, it's kind of hard to to know what your future's going to be like or what you really kind of want to do because it's just like, what am I going to be able to do? Um, but I don't know, I've, I've, I've tried to not really think about it too much and trying to take the lockdown days day by day rather than thinking in the future because, you know, I just don't know when this will fully end. So I don't know, yeah, but it's, it's really hard. I know a lot of my friends that are really, like, depressed about their future. It's just kind of like, what's the point now? Because it just kind of seems like, yeah, you know, corona's not going to be around forever, but the effects of it are going to be around for a really long time and it's going to, you know... And it's small things like my mates and myself, you know, not getting driving tests, we're not, you know, we're not being able to do our driving lessons. It's like we all kind of wanted to, you know, get our first jobs. And it's like, oh, we're all turning 18 this year, wanting to be able to go to the pubs like normal. I mean, I know they're open now, but it's not the same. So, yeah, I mean, the whole future thing just seems a bit blank. <laughs> Blank. Oh dear. What? I thought her in interesting distinction that she used there was not what I'm going to do, what I can do. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the dilemma, even for kids that were like on this strident, strident trajectory towards the law absolute, school with an yeah. absolute yeah. cast iron knowledge of where they were heading to. That's all been yeah. wobbled out of the way. So if you're in the performing arts like Maddie is and is looking towards courses and is looking towards college and auditions and needing to expand her sort of, you know, her, her CV of kind of live shows and all that kind of stuff. This is experience. An, yeah, this is this is really difficult and and I think we have to be really mindful as parents not to project onto our kids because mm. actually we don't know what to say. Right, what are you planning? What are you planning? What are you planning? Because that, that's a that's very scary most, thing for them. Because for me, it's the most how irritating question. How do they know question. how to? It's the most irritating mm. question adults ask children. It's because I, they don't know, often, some adults don't know how to talk to children. Be imaginative. Be creative. I, mm. I can't stand it. It drives me mad. It's about adults. I sometimes worry in the dead of night, and obviously we homeschool our girls, that sometimes the reason we send kids to kindergartens, receptions, infants, junior school, secondary school, university, and then MAs, is so that we don't need to worry. So worry and that we can all just ask the same boring bloody questions. What are you doing at college? What are you taking for your GCSE? What are you doing for... Fuck it's the markers, sake. isn't it's it? It's the markers. You know, look, let's mix it up. You know, so now asking kids, coming out of a pandemic, what are your, what are your plans? Yeah. Fuck off. What's None your of us plan, know what our flip? bloody plans What's are. What's your plan, adult Jeez. fucker? Oh, I feel sad for her. <laughs> It's so you're right, Mark. No, Is that because get... you're really hungry? No, because I Because get... your stomach's been rumbling and now you're mangry and you're taking it out on the listener. Do you know what I mean? No, I'm not taking it out on the listener. It's those adults, those aunties, those uncles, those people that come in and get... Mark, it's just how society doing? talks to yeah, each other. Yeah, it's moronic. OK. <laughs> <laughs> Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're just a bit worried that she might tell you off, you can always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. Okay, time to hear from some of our listeners. 
Um, Angie, who's 56 from Norfolk. I'm 56 this year too, Angie. Um, That's my stomach, by the way. Yes, that is. (laughs) I've always considered myself an optimistic person. Me too, Angie. I tend to look on the brighter side of things. And when my girls came into this world, I couldn't have been a happier, brighter person. Yet recently, so much has happened in the world of politics with such a shift to the right in our country and influential countries abroad. The worry of climate change coming to a tipping point and pandemics threatening our future for an undetermined amount of time. The disparity of wealth and the dismantling of community is becoming more and more apparent to me. Increasingly, I worry that my girls will have a far tougher future than my life has been and I feel powerless to protect them. Well, God, thank God someone's feeling more negative than us. Well, that's everything I'm feeling. Well, yeah, no, it's everything I'm feeling. Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, I think the iniquities, I think the the division between wealth and poverty are becoming more extreme. Mm. The fact that a lot of people who are relatively wealthy during the pandemic, I mean, I'd classify ourselves as that, have been okay. And there are those who've just not been okay and mm. have got worse. How are we going to come out of this and how those who've already had something will be able to get out of it easier? You know, I just think it's it's a, it's a worryingly skew-whiff world. And we are truly, utterly powerless. Well, we are powerless, but at the same time, you sort of think, well, you know, with Trump, I mean, I worry that what's required to turn around, say, things around the climate change, even to turn around our ability to avoid this pandemic crisis again, when the next pandemic comes up or the next virus comes up, there's a lack of global unity Mm. and there's a lack of global purpose. And, you know, look at the recent events of Trump hoarding all the all that all the drugs yeah, and there's you a, know it's the, just it's not bringing people together which we hoped didn't we we had some hope at the beginning and I do that worry, we were going to yeah. come out with a better world and i do worry that things like brexit as well it's just another way of we're all fracturing off into our yeah. own agendas and actually more than ever unless we work collectively you're right we're, we're screwed are and, humans learning any bloody lessons there or not yeah absolutely God, my stomach. God Almighty, Mark, you really need to sort that out before you start a podcast. Well, it's only kicked in halfway through. I think, you know, my future is hunger. Mike from Lancashire, 42. I've spent half my life in the US and the later half here, latter half here in the UK when I moved here with my wife. It's easy to think that things are looking bleak at the moment and also that the future doesn't look much better. But recently I've been trying to compare where we are with similar times in history. Ah, oh, historian. When I was a kid, the threat of nuclear war plagued my childhood. I remember that. In fact, half mm. of Europe was behind the Iron Curtain. Very true. Mm. When I was born, kids were being drafted into the Vietnam War and killed. Families were devastated. And when I look back to the time my parents got married, the Civil Rights Act had not yet been passed. Even mixed-race marriage was still illegal in some states. When they went to school, segregation was legally enforced. And when my parents were born, World War II was raging. And the full extent of the Holocaust was yet to be discovered. Yeah. I can go back further. My granddad grew up in the heavily segregated South, having been born in the middle of World War I at the time, the greatest war in history. And if we go back further, my great-grandfather and mother fled poverty and starvation in Europe for a better life in the US. As bad as things seem now, it's been going in cycles for centuries. And I think, you know, that's a really important, sobering, historic perspective, Mike, because... People often say, well, what's the point of studying history? Well, you know, it's always seen as a bit of a soft subject. The point of history is to see where parallel things, where, you know, where certain patterns form in society, where we've made mistakes in the past, what can we learn from them? And I think it's really telling that 
every generation or, you know, pretty much every other generation has its crisis and has its pushback moment. And out of crisis can come a lot of hope, a lot of innovation and a lot of, you know, solutions and and, and a, a, re, a reawakening of sorts. So, yes, nice to have a, a cup half full look at things there. I mean, it's barely touched the sides of me, I'm afraid, but... Mm. Thank you, always such thoughtful and such thought-provoking messages you send us. So thank you to that. And and please do keep reaching out to us on our social media channels. We'll try to be more positive next week. Yeah, we're going to think of a more positive, definitely. Right, yes, we'll do that. Yeah, more positive what? Something. Something. Yeah, I'll bring cake. Okay, bring cake. That's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review. Tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da! <laughs>